Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. We are uh, continuing, probably wrapping up the human series. I hope it's been a good series for you guys. Uh, some of you may remember, a lot of you may not. We actually started this series or came about with the subjects for this series out of a survey that we asked you guys to fill out back at our candlelight services. How many of y'all remember that, that survey? And so I went back and I was just reading and praying about, you know, Lord, what do we need to, to teach your people? What do you want me to communicate on? And... Uh, and then as going, when I went back through that survey, I just noticed, man, over and over and over and over again, people saying parenting, parenting, parenting. And, and so, but this is what I know. Parenting is one of those subjects that when you communicate on it in church, I think even subconsciously, some people have a tendency to start putting up a wall. There are some subjects in life, and I think honestly, it's probably because of pride that we don't necessarily want other people telling us how we're supposed to do it. And I think parenting can definitely be one of those subjects. I've been there. I've had those times when people like come up to me like, you know what you need to do. And I'm like, I'm, now, now it's like Charlie Brown. All I hear is wah, 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 wah. Like I, I don't always want to hear that. You know, there's a few other subjects. Uh, finances is one of those subjects. I think there's a few of those areas that we really just have to come before the Lord and be humble. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because I want you to be aware of maybe a tendency that you would have to say, uh, I'm not gonna listen as closely. I'm not gonna tell you how to parent. I'm gonna do my best just to communicate biblical principles about how to parent, because uh, that, that's what we really need. Uh, and I think we can learn from this. How many of y'all remember the day you became a parent? How many of y'all remember the day you became a parent? Uh, how many of you would say it was a little crazy? A little bit different? A little bit of a different day, okay? Uh, I remember it was crazy for us. Uh, it was crazy, first of all, because Cody, bless her heart, she labored for over 50 hours with our first, okay? Uh, so I was like, okay, if it's gonna be like this, only child right there, because this is, this is just crazy. It was ridiculous. And, but I remember, I remember when London finally came. I remember when she came. It's just so surreal, right? And, and I, was, I was the kind of dad, like, I, I was like, all, I, I wanted to be involved. Like, I wanted to catch the baby. I wanted to, like, do minor surgery, cut the umbilical cord. I'm like, see, I don't have to go to doctor school to do some of what y'all do, you know? And, uh, but I remember, I, I'm not always great with, like, what to say at the right time, the perfect way. The first thing I said when our daughter London was born, when she came out, I said, Oh, baby, she's big. That's the first thing I said. And I, I know Cody was like, I know. Right? Like, Nobody is more aware of how big she is than me. Uh, but the interesting thing was this. There, there was some interesting, ironic things around the, the situation because I don't think it actually totally hit me that I was a dad until we put London in her car seat for the first time to go home from the hospital, right? Because up to that point, you've got nurses coming in at all hours of the night. We just wanna sleep, okay? But, but just all this care, all this attention, but at, at that moment, it's like, it's on us. And this is the funny thing, I drove way too fast and probably irresponsibly to get to the hospital. And London was with us. But then when I put her in the car seat and I had her all secure and everything, I drove home like I was driving Miss Daisy. Like I, I, was, I was like like 10 and two, checking all my mirrors. Like a guy on a bike passed us as we were going down the street. Because you had this just overwhelming sense of holy purpose, this sacred privilege, this blessing, calling, and crazy adventure. The most important thing that any of us can understand is that parenting is packed with God-given purpose. 
And I know that that may sound like, yeah, obviously, but, I, but there's been so many times that I didn't parent. Like there was eternal godly purpose involved. You can get so trapped in the moment. And I have failed so many times as a dad. I've made so many mistakes. And so I want you to know, I'm not standing up here speaking from a place of, I figured it all out, guys. You really need to listen because best dad ever. I am not coming from that place. I'm learning. I'm in the middle of it. Some of you are parents. All of us have parents. But that might not mean mom or dad. That could have been a grandma or grandpa, family relative, even a friend. There's a lot of different ways that the people, that God helps identify parents, you know? People that foster, man, you guys are heroes. Amazing. But whatever it is, man, whatever that structure look like or does look like, it's messy. It's chaotic. It's crazy. It's weird. But it's wonderful. My parents, they would tell you they weren't the perfect parents. And I've shared some of my testimony. My parents got divorced when I was 13 years old. And you need to know, divorce affects the kids. This idea and concept of it's not about you kids, it's about me and your mom. No, it's going to be about them too. It's inexcusable. Or, in, uh, or not inexcusable, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. It's going to affect them. And it affected us. It affected us, okay? But here's the one thing that I am very, very thankful for from my parents. They gave us a great spiritual foundation. With, with, with all the strengths and weaknesses, we knew the most important thing. They modeled it. They lived it. That God, his word, the body of Christ was going to be the most important thing around us. I'm so thankful for that. They put up with all the sleepless nights, the rebellion, the talking back, partying, lots of tears. And to this day, I can't believe my brother and sister put them all through all that stuff. You know, it's just, they're just mean like that, you know. Here's the thing, once I had kids, it gave me a lot more understanding and perspective. And it helped me have a lot more grace for my parents. I don't know if any of you have ever had a phone call where you just call and just apologize to your parents, you know? Like I've, I've thought about it just in moments of desperation because I started realizing this whole sowing and reaping thing is real, right? So then all started, you start thinking about how horrible of a kid you were and you gave birth to yourself like your personality your character and everything is manifesting now in front of you and you get so desperate you're like if I repent God will you change this child <laughs> God's like I'm gonna humble you sucker some of you know way more about parenting than I will ever know and you could probably teach a lot better than I could teach on this subject. Um, I'm in the thick of it right now. I've got a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old. It's like a big old pot of hormones right up in that house, just stirring away. Here's the thing. When you have one kid and you tell people you have one kid, usually at one point or another in that discussion, it's like, so when are you gonna have another one? Like, this is the progression. You got one kid, when are you gonna have another one, right? So then somebody asks you if you have, how many kids you have, and you say two, and they're like, oh, that's great. Like, that's perfect. Two kids. If you got three kids, somebody asks you, and then they're gonna be like, wow, okay. All right. I mean, to each their own, right? If you have four kids, People just look at you like you stupid and irresponsible. 
just like, what were you thinking? You're, do you not know what is causing this to happen? Grow up. I can tell you don't know what you're doing. Right? So, and if you have more than that, I mean, people are like, well, it's, it's adoption or it's a blended family or they're Catholic. Like, those are the options. Like, why would anybody ever have more? Parenting is hard. And there is a lot of pressure to get it right. Why? Because it's like, if I get it wrong, I am ruining an entire human. And the pressure to parent well, it's caused by a lot of stuff. I think a lot of it's just cultural. We feel guilty for not giving them everything that they want, right? But the problem is, if we give them everything they want, they turn into little turds. And we don't want that to happen. But sometimes we feel bad that we can't be at everything that's going on. And some of you are at everything. And I just wanna tell you, that may not be actually good parenting. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. There's no margin. There are sometimes harsh words that we communicate when we're angry. There are some impossible decisions, or at least it feels that way, that we have to make sometimes. Parenting is hard. And there's a lot on the line. I get it. I get it. But I am convinced of this, that the pressure that we feel a lot of times is when God is not actually involved in helping us raise our kids. That's when the pressure really increases. Because when God has truly been at the wheel, I don't feel the pressure as much as I can sense the reverence of his purpose in their life. And when we invite God and his word into our parenting journey, we will trade being stressed over the pressure and we'll start being steered by his purpose for their life. We'll start making decisions based on that. Because the truth is, being a parent is one of the greatest, most incredible things that anybody can go through. As long as it's packed with his purpose. It's, it's led by his word. So I think you have to dig deep, though, to build on the foundation of faith. It says in one, Psalm 127, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. I love that translation. Other translations, if God doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. But I like that because I've been to third world countries where people are living in shacks, and I'm just telling you, those are vulnerable homes. It don't take much, and they're gone. So what does the word say? What does God say about parenting? I think it's important to go to that source. The first thing you have to understand is you were chosen on purpose. You were chosen on purpose. Like even if you're not the biological parent, you were chosen on purpose. In Psalm 127 verse three says, don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb is his generous legacy. In ancient Middle East culture where this whole Bible story happens, nothing was more prized than family and specifically kids because children were seen as the treasure that would fuel family's legacy and future. And that's why this psalmist says in verse four, like a warrior's fistful of arrows are children of a, of, the, of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quiver full of children. And that's why some people have a lot of kids like, yeah, I need, I'm gonna have a whole lot of arrows. God bless you. I got four and I'm just doing the best I can. Do you remember what it was like when you found out you were gonna be a parent? Like the first time. And it might've been different if you had more kids. 
by the last one, I cried a little. I'm just going to say that right now. Like, I'm like, God, are you sure? But even with the first one, God, what have you done? Because <laughs> now I'm responsible for a human. And I remember thinking, we've got to get this right. We've got to get this right. And I've never stopped thinking that. We've got to get this right. Because it's an incredible gift. Uh, but children are the gift that changes everything. They change everything. Dads, do you remember back when you had abs and free time? Do you remember that? Mm. Sometimes it's been a long time. But then you become a parent and suddenly you have less abs, less money, and no free time. Like that, that, That's just kind of the structure now. But you understand it's really not that important because it's, because life is sweeter. But there is a lot of sacrifice that has to happen and there can be a lot of pressure. And I've seen a lot of people crack under that pressure, the pressure of parenthood. Could be said this way, marriage will magnify your flaws, make them seem larger, but parenthood will multiply them because there's more people and we need God even more once babies start showing up. Uh, nothing makes you need more grace than you start stacking a few sleepless nights on top of each other. When they're babies, a few weeks on top of each other. And changing diapers and feeding and rocking them to sleep. I wanna, I wanna tell you, Cody really is a Wonder Woman. Because basically when we were having babies, she didn't sleep for six years straight. It's just the way it was. Because you and I have God's grace and for the purpose of parenting, we also have to be present on purpose. Because of this great gift, we have to be present on purpose. One pastor said it this way, be here until you're gone. It just means wherever you are, be there. Be there 100%. It bums me out when I go out to eat and I see a full family sitting around a table with everyone glued to a screen. And by the way, we've been guilty of it before too. But you can't be there. You can't be present. And I will say that there are a lot of evening and weekend orphans because even when parents do get home, they're not there. Or on the weekends, they got too much other stuff that they want to do. They're not present. And I've been guilty of that too. Dad's just too busy. I've got a lot of work to do. Just let me watch the game. This is my time. I'm so thankful Cody does help me stay present. Helps me stay aware of the fact that when I'm slipping into those times when I'm not there like I need to be. You have to be present on purpose. This has to be intentional. You have to see eternity in your time. Also, you gotta provide on purpose. This is a punchy verse, 1 Timothy 5.8. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Okay, so I wanna to talk to the practical side of that. God has called you to be a good steward of the lives that he's given you, which means you need to take care of their needs. And I understand that, that we can fall on hard times. I definitely had that growing up. There were definitely times when we needed people to help us. We needed the body of Christ to help us. And I wanna let you know that if you fall on hard times, we as a church, we wanna do everything we can to help you and to serve you. But with all that being said, it is not the government's job to take care of your kids. It's not your teach, their, their teacher's job to take care of your kids. It's the parent's job. You have to parent on purpose. But I would say that word care has a much deeper meaning and greater significance than even just the practical application of food and clothing and those things. That word care has to have an eternal purpose as well because the most important thing that we can do to care for our family is to make sure that it is completely clear that his kingdom, his word, and the body of Christ is our number one priority in life. Everything else is way down on the list. 
Because if they don't get that in their heart as children, they will definitely not get it as adults. And we're just one generation away from losing it all. And it isn't enough to say, yeah, it's, it's on the list. No. He is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And our kids have to see us living that way. One of the greatest ways that we will fail caring for our children is by not making it clear what is absolutely important. And some of you may be saying, well, that's easy for you, pastor, because you're around the things of God all the time. You have to know that doesn't mean my kids are crazy about doing it all the time. I told you before, it's not like, like I wake my kids up early in the morning and say, I have a word from the Lord. And they're like, yes. I'll be up immediately. Come. Let's hear from Father. Actually, if my kids ever run like that, I'm going to have a different conversation. Anybody ever met a rebellious preacher's kid? Anybody ever not want to go to church because of some preacher's a rebellious kid? Okay, well, I'm thankful mine aren't there yet. But we're praying hard. Point is this, it's a challenge for me too. It's not easy for anybody but it's the most important thing. Also, you gotta enjoy parenthood on purpose. You gotta enjoy it on purpose. What do I mean by that? It means there should be joy around your family and it's not gonna happen on accident. You're gonna have to be intentional about this. Here's the thing, I don't wanna be famous in our church, our city. I don't wanna be famous anywhere else. I wanna be famous in my home. And I know that I'm getting that right when I walk into my home and my kids are excited to see me. When they are excited, when I, and, and here's the thing, with four kids, sometimes it's only 50% of them that are excited to see me. But I, if, if I ever walk into my house and it's silent, something's off. Something's off. Because I, I'm, I've gotta be intentional that my kids Know that when dad's around, it's gonna be fun. There's gonna be joy. There's gonna be laughter. You know, they've gotta know that. And Cody tells me all the time, she's like, James, you're the fun one. And I'm like, really, though? And some of you would never believe that. You're like, that dude way too intense to be the fun one, okay? But you know what? Sometimes that's true and I have to be intentional. I have to do it on purpose. I have to have a plan to do this, but at the end of the day, if I'm not reflecting the character of Christ, kids wanted to hang out with Jesus all the time. I've gotta have some of that in me. I am convinced that Jesus and I have a very similar sense of humor. Like, I can't read it in the Bible, necessarily, but I just believe that. Like, I think that Jesus knew how to cut up. The point is, laughter is like medicine. Laughter is like medicine. It may be that some of you, you're physically getting sick because you're not laughing nearly enough. Your immune system gets trashed when you're stressed out and anxious all the time. Maybe you just need to cut loose and laugh a little bit more and your immune system might get stronger. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I cut an umbilical cord one time. A family that doesn't enjoy one another will drift apart. They'll drift apart. So you gotta come up with some stuff that you can do together. You gotta create some shared memories. For us, memories are infinitely more important than stuff. It's infinitely more, because here's what we've learned. It's like, we've got the perfect gift. And give it to them. You're gonna, you're gonna love us forever now, aren't you? And they're gonna be bored with that gift in two weeks. Or if they're little, they're gonna play with the box. They don't even care. But memories, man, 
Do you think it was easy going on a road trip this last summer with six people in a small SUV 5,000 miles? No, it was hard. Like, every demon manifested. Like, it was, it was tough, but I'll tell you the sweetness of the memories we create. I know my kids are going to have that for the rest of their life. But you had to, it was intentional. It was intentional. My heart, my attitude during it had to be intentional. We go camping, tent camping, real camping. Hey, I'm not bitter or jealous that I don't have a camper at all. I go real camping, tent camping, so awesome. But we go camping and we've gone camping pretty much every spring break. Do you know how much work it is to get everything ready to go tent camping with a family? It, it's exhausting. It's like Congress has to get involved. Like, and you can't depend on them to get things done. So it's just tough, you know? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, forgive me for saying that. But it's true. But the point is, even last time we went camping and it rained like half the time we were there and everything was soaking wet and we were all just like, this is not fun. We still made a memory. And the character was developed. It's important that we're intentional about these things. I don't wanna have a fan or home that feels like a house full of roommates. I'm not trying to raise roommates. I'm trying to raise dis di difference makers. I'm not trying to raise roommates. I'm trying to raise mighty men and women of God. And I've got to be intentional. Here's the thing. As parents, you understand there's a lot of things that you say a lot that just feels like, gosh, this is not the fun part of this at all. Things we say a lot in our household. Close the door. Turn off the lights. Drink some water. How many of y'all remember just the, the solve-all remedy for all things? Like when I was growing up, it was take a shower. For our kids, it's drink water. My arm's falling off. You need to drink some water. You're just dehydrated. For one reason or another, we say eat some protein a lot in our house. You need to eat some protein. Eat some protein. Stop running. Stop whining. Stop fighting. If you don't have anything nice to say, those things that our parents told us that we promised we would never repeat again. And we do it all. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Don't be a Downer Douglas. Yeah, you gotta come up with both the boys and the girls. But there are some things that I'm never gonna stop saying because I wanna make sure that my kids know that I can always be somebody that they can be excited to see because they're gonna be encouraged because we're gonna have fun. Some things I'm never gonna stop saying, you can do it. You can do it. Try again. Do hard things. Get back up. Have fun. Be a helper, be a leader. You're strong. You're courageous. You're smart. I'm proud of you. I love you. Most importantly, God loves you. God is proud of you. Advice for new parents, enjoy every minute, every minute of it. The days are very long, but the years are very short and it happens quick. You are an imperfect person though, raising an imperfect person and mistakes are gonna happen. That's why you've got to correct on purpose. Correct on purpose. Discipline is absolutely vital. They need it. But I would encourage you to look for small corrections that can teach bigger truths. But to do that, you're gonna have to do it on purpose. In other words, with God's purpose in mind. And when it comes to the method of how you do that, you've gotta find what works because every kid is gonna be different. I got spanked and grounded. Mostly spanked. Lots of spankings. I had an older brother a younger sister, and each of us responded differently to that method. My brother, when he got spanked, he would basically just start crying right away and it was done. My little sister, you mentioned spanking around her. She would freak out. 
all-out meltdown. She would flail and fight, like to even get her to be still enough to get one little swat in was almost impossible, okay? And with me, I was so stubborn. I was like, bring it, big boy. Uh, you think this is gonna work? So my dad would give me one swat and I'm like, hmm, tickled a little. How many of y'all know I was stupid? <laughs> and so my dad would spank me until I cried. He would. Why? Well, it wasn't because he was trying to be mean. It's because no discipline is pleasant at the time but it will produce a harvest. And so I'm thankful my parents wore my butt out. If you laugh too loud, you just like me. Have you ever been out and about though and you see some kid having a meltdown? and you're trying to control what your face is doing, but in your mind, in your heart, you're thinking, you automatically judge that parent's like, get your freaking kid under control. I can't tell you how many times I thought that kid needs a whooping. But I remember being at a store and I watched this kid, and he wasn't even like a really little kid. He's like a nine, 10 year old boy lay into his mom, yelling, screaming at her, cussing, calling her names. And I got scared for the kid. Like when I was growing up, it's like, I just started thinking, I started looking around for a paramedic. I'm like, somebody's gonna have to save this kid's life. Like something bad's getting ready to happen. Someone's gonna have to step in and save this boy's life because his mom is about to unleash on him. And she stood there and took it. And I had the same thought all of y'all were thinking, if my parents were here right now, if my dad, if my dad was here right now, he'd be spinning that belt like a nunchuck. Like, <laughs> he didn't take martial arts, but phew, he knew how to use that belt. He could get that thing off quicker. It's like, how, how, it was like, And then after he used it on me, it felt like it took 30 minutes for him to put it back on. As he's talking to me still. I couldn't believe it. But here's what I do know. That's not loving that kid. That is not loving that kid. Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And the same dude that wrote about children being a gift wrote that. His son, actually it was his son that wrote this about discipline. So David actually got this right with Solomon, but he got it wrong with his firstborn, Amnon. And you can read about the story in 2 Samuel. In chapter 13, verse 21 says, King David heard the whole story and was enraged, but he didn't discipline Amnon. David doted on him because he was his firstborn. As a dad, David, a man after God's own heart, learned the importance of disciplining his kids, but he learned it the hard way with a kid that was rebellious. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't wanna discipline because I wanna love them, but you're loving them less. You're loving them less by doing that. Side note, when we lack moral authority, our kids in many ways will struggle with whatever we lack moral authority in. So Solomon might've gotten it with discipline, but Solomon definitely missed it with women. And, and I think that's because his dad didn't have moral authority on the subject either. So in the different areas of your life, if you're gonna discipline your kids, you better get the log out of your eye first. You better make sure that you've got moral authority because if you're being hypocritical, your kids are gonna resent you and that discipline will not work. They'll get rebellious. So you gotta have moral authority. Don't discipline out of anger. Don't discipline out of anger. Find a safe place for them to be. A few things to keep in mind, set clear boundaries on purpose. 
so they'll know where the line is. Be consistent on purpose. They've got to know that the lines aren't going to move based on your mood. Be clear on purpose. Tell them what the line looks like and why. Give consequences on purpose. They need to know what happens when they cross the line. With our kids, we did timeouts, and that works pretty good. When they're little, I'm not a big fan of counting because I think it can teach delayed obedience. But if you do count, they better be there at the count of three or there better be a consequence immediately, immediately. But what I find is it doesn't work that way. One, you better go, two, come, oh, you, I, you know what's gonna happen, two and a half. It gets ridiculous, we can't be, 27. What? Oh, you, oh, I'm so serious. That doesn't work. Take away privileges, favorite toys, video games, technology. In my home, I find that those things are usually the thing that are causing the attitude. They're addicted to it. It's a chemical dependency. Dopamine's being released in their brain and they've got to detox. So sometimes I take all that stuff away so they can be godly men and women and not demons. Uh, and then you got to discuss it on purpose. Discuss it on purpose. It has to come from love. It can't be over with the punishment. If it's over with the punishment, then it's a wasted opportunity. That phrase, no pain, no gain, doesn't work with discipline. Pain is not enough. You have to make it a teachable moment. They have to understand the why behind the what, because if you can attach the punishment and the discipline to their eternal purpose, then God will use it. Always land on grace. Fathers, don't irritate your children and make them resentful. Instead, raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance. Ephesians 6, 4. I have to be aware of this. I can be very sarcastic. And as I have a bunch of teenagers and preteens in my house, it's like, oh, you think you're good with words? I got something for you. And here's the thing. That's not gonna be helpful. That's not gonna win their heart. Uh, last thing is this. I've gone a little long. Have grace on purpose. No perfect kids, no perfect parents including us, including your pastors, including how we're raising kids. I could tell you story after story. I'm gonna tell you one of my favorite. A few years ago before, actually before we got into the new building, I was able to remember the timeline. Uh, we, were, we had three services back then. And in between a couple of the services, I had one of the Kid Life volunteers, Kid Life workers come up and say, Pastor James, we got a little bit of a problem. And when they were coming up to me between searches, they're like, dude, I delegate it. Like, I trust you. You need to handle this. But I tried to listen. Like, I'm like, well, what's going on? We, we, uh, we have a kid that's dropping F-bombs, like one after another, and loud, like yelling. I'm like, well, yeah, that's not okay. You need to talk to the kid, probably bring them uh, out of the room if they're being a, a distraction, whatever. And then you need to talk to their parent. And they said, I am. I am so sorry. Their mom has a lot of influence over them. And <laughs> if you know my wife, you know that is not true. Like, she hates that word. She can't even say pho. Like, that's like, she can't even say, like, she doesn't even like the letter F. Like, so... We're trying to, people. We're trying to. But here's what I have learned. Man, love covers a multitude of sins and mistakes. Just stay humble. Stay humble. Don't judge your mess by looking at someone else's fake masterpiece. Comparison is the thief of joy. 
and in a social media age. You can't look at someone else's pictures on Facebook and Instagram, their perfect house, their no mess, happy kids, and think that's what their life really looks like. It doesn't. They're, they're struggling too. They have their struggles too. They do. We all do. It's just nobody's posting pictures of that time their kid filled their car seat with explosive diarrhea. Like nobody's posting those pictures, right? It's not glorious. It's nothing. Nobody's screenshotting the note coming home from their kid's teacher saying, hey, your son, we need to meet with you tomorrow. Your son caught karate, kicked his friend off the top of the slide and hurt him. So we're gonna need to talk. Like nobody posts pictures about that stuff. You're gonna need some perfect help from your perfect father. Your perfect help is not gonna come from you or the person that's sitting next to you right now. And that is not a good time to say amen. But you're gonna need God the Father to help you. Failure is unavoidable. That's why you have to give grace and forgive on purpose. So if you've been let down, you must forgive. It is a command to forgive. Forgive the one that raised you. Forgive the one that you're raising. Forgive the one that's supposed to be helping you raise them. Forgive whoever needs it most because you were the one that needed it most at one point. I have found that forgiveness is like the spiritual bond that blows up bitterness in my home and in the relationships I have with my kids. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. We've got to give it. We've got to give it because we've been given it. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Team, if you can hear me, I went long. We're probably not going to do the last song. But I want to make sure that we've got some time to pray for a little bit. So here's the deal. Uh, this may sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but it is absolutely true. Everything in your life is gonna be affected by your identity. Everything in your life is gonna be affected by your identity in Christ. If you don't see yourself the way that Christ sees you, it's gonna affect the way that you see other people. If you don't understand the love and the acceptance that your heavenly father has for you, it will affect how you love and accept people around you, including your kids. So the model is this. First, you love Jesus with all of your heart. You seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness. You have that and then if you get married, then that pours over into that marriage and into that relationship with your spouse. But even if that's no longer the structure, the next group of people that that's pouring into is your kids. You can't give what you don't have. And the question is, what is pouring out of you? What is overflowing from you? That's your identity. Your understanding of your identity in Christ affects everything. And so it has to start with a good foundation. It has to start with as clear of a picture as it can be. And, and so I want, I'm gonna pray for, for everyone, every parent, every person, but I wanna start with this. Are you completely confident that you know who you are in Christ? Do you know that? And, and maybe it's not like right now you're completely confident in it, but you know how important it is. And every day you're waking up and you're trying to get closer to that. But there might be a few of you right now where you have no concept. You have no concept about how much God loves you. You have a messed up or no picture of who God the Father is and how he sees you, how he approaches you. And it may be because you don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus. 
It may be because you've never had that. It may be because you thought you had it at one point, but over time, and it may be because of a parent you had or another leader or a situation or circumstance or your own decisions. You're, you're in a place right now where you feel completely disconnected from even the concept of a loving heavenly father. And if you're in that place, then I wanna give you an opportunity just to come back to him fresh, new, or maybe for the first time, just to say, I, I want a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. I want a relationship. And the word tells us that comes through his son, Jesus. It's through his perfect sacrifice on the cross and us coming to him and, and confessing our sin and then asking him to be our Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you know you need to do that, like you have no confidence, no peace, about having a relationship with the Lord. I wanna pray with you and I'm gonna ask you to admit it just to confess between you, me, you and Jesus that that's you. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. But I just wanna know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Got it, yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes, sir. I'm away from Jesus. I'm ready to call him as my Lord and Savior. I got you guys, thank you. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. I wanna have that relationship. Got it. Anyone else? I need him. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Got it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Got it, thank you, got it. Yes, yes sir. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Got it, thank you. Holy Spirit's just kind of work in the room. Huh. Yes ma'am. Anyone else? I'm away from him. I need him. I'm ready to humble myself. Confess that I'm a sinner. Call on him as my Lord. Anyone else? Thank you. Got it. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. the most important thing that we could possibly do. And the Holy Spirit's working, chipping away. So I'm not gonna rush it. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on him. I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired of pretending. I'm ready to surrender everything. Make him my Lord and make him my savior. Okay. I'm sure you understand this, but it wasn't you raising your hand that gets you saved. But I wanted you to experience that grace. I want you to experience is his presence meeting you right there in your chair when you made that decision that as an act of your will, you were gonna raise your hand and be humble and confess that you need him. We're gonna talk to him. But I wanna let you know that at some point you need to declare that you made this decision. You gotta tell somebody. Tell somebody right after the service Coming up on the 5th, we're gonna have water baptism. That's a great time to go public with your faith, just to declare to your church family, I'm gonna live for Jesus for the rest of my life. But we're gonna talk to him right there, right there in your chair. You can say this prayer loud enough for your own ears to hear it. 
You can just say it in your heart. Just say this, say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. I'm lost and I'm broken, but I believe that you came. You paid the price for me. You paid the price for my mistakes and my sin on the cross. And I ask for your forgiveness. I need it. That I believe you rose from the grave. You defeated sin and death. And I thank you that because of that, I can walk in freedom. I don't have to be held captive to my past or to my mistakes or to the things that other people did to me. I'm not held captive by those things. I can walk in freedom and liberty. And I have the hope of heaven. I know one day I'm gonna spend eternity with you. But I know that you have given me a purpose. You've given me calling. You've given me giftings. And I wanna use those now. But I can't do that if I'm gonna try to keep doing things on my own. And so I surrender my life to you. You're in charge. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. I wanna walk out repentance. Help me every day. If there's something I'm chasing after that's not of you, help me to stop and turn away from those things and turn back towards you. Help me to understand your love, your plan, your purpose. I want your word to be my standard. I wanna be connected to the body of Christ so I can be encouraged and challenged. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.